Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. A great good afternoon and welcome. Great to have you on this uh, Thursday, June 15th, the year 2023. Hope everybody's doing great. It is awesome to have you with us. And uh, boy, wait till you hear the schedule for LSU football in 2024. Holy cow. Yamulke wins again, this time off the court. LSU finds a shortstop replacement for next season. LSU football adds its third commitment in four days. And Paul Skeens garners a major, major award. All these stories and much more coming your way today with my main man, James Mesh, inside the Evco Development Studios. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. It's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're on KLCJ 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you can catch us on television because we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. To the victor go the spoils. The LSU Board of Supervisors approved the university's recommendation for several upgrades inside the Pete Maravich Assembly Center for LSU women's basketball facilities during its quarterly meeting today. Through a now-approved lease with the Tiger Athletic Foundation, the requests feature renovated women's basketball locker rooms, players and coaches' lounges, along with an updated film room, connecting corridor, and an entryway for at most $1.5 million. That's great. Well done. But you know where the problem came with this? And this was a great idea, and LSU basketball needed a practice facility. But, man, when they did it, they did it on the cheap. They did it on the cheap. There's not a weight room inside that facility. There aren't coaches' offices inside that facility. There's a court. There's a locker room. There's a film room. There's a s- small training room. Period. They did it on the cheap. It's just like highways. You know, you don't think program. You don't think. People are going to have children. Those children are going to grow up. They're going to drive cars, and it's going to get more and more cars on the highway. Why do we build these two-lane interstates? Why don't you think progressively? Think ahead. Think smart. Well, LSU didn't think smart at this time, and now they're paying the piper for it. But at least they're paying. And Kim Mulkey, when she won a national championship, she's going to get what she wants. 
and deservedly so. So that's terrific. LSU baseball is in Omaha. And uh, they're, they're having media days. They're having all kinds of things happening. Meanwhile, Jay Johnson can't sit and rest on his laurels. He's always thinking about the next year. Jordan Thompson's going to be gone. They need a shortstop, and they got it. South Carolina shortstop Michael Braswell transferred to LSU, he announced on Twitter today. Um, he was an all-SEC freshman team selection in 2022. Highly regarded at six foot two, 195 pounds. He was a number five player in Georgia coming out of Campbell High School, according to Perfect Game. Um, so LSU has two holes to fill in the middle infield for next year. Shortstop Jordan Thompson departing for the MLB draft. Second baseman Gavin Dugas running out of eligibility. They need somebody. So they found him. Um, and he said the reason that he came to LSU was not because of the fans and the tradition and all that. That, that was a given. That was a given. But Michael Braswell came because Jake Johnson said, I've seen you play. And when he came on his recruiting visit, Jake Johnson said, this is what I'm going to do to help you become an All-American and a draft pick. And that's what Michael Braswell wanted to hear. So Michael Braswell fills a hole for next season. The beat goes on. Meanwhile, Paul Skeens um, getting just about every award you could imagine. He uh, has now won the Dick Hauser Trophy, annually awarded to the NCAA Division I Player of the Year in college baseball. Skeens is the second Tiger to win the award, joining LSU legend Eddie Furness, who was given the honor in 1998. Um, again, just a gaudy 1.77 ERA with 188 strikeouts this season. He's already been named Collegiate Baseball's 2023 National Player of the Year, 2023 SEC Picture of the Year. Skeens and the Tigers get underway with the College World Series, 6 p.m. Saturday when they face Tennessee in its first game in the College World Series. And you can listen to that ball game right here on the game. So that's... Uh, that's, that's he's going to win some more and win some more. He may not be the number one overall pick. I think Dylan Cruz is going to win that, but Skeens is going to keep on winning some awards for sure. Meanwhile, Brian Kelly continues to add to his class of 2024 four-star cornerback Andre O N D R E Andre Evans has committed to the LSU football team. Six foot, 183 pounds. Evans is the number 252 player and number 20 cornerback in the nation in the class of 2024, according to 247 Sports. He attends Christ Presbyterian Academy in Nashville, Tennessee, and is the number four player in the state. The thing that always comes to my mind, all right, who else did you get scholarship offers from? Who else wanted you? Well, he narrowed it down to five schools. It was LSU. North Carolina State, and then Georgia, Michigan, and Alabama. When Georgia, Michigan, and Alabama want you, 
Okay, I'm sold. I am sold. Defensive coordinator Matt House, cornerback coach Robert Steeples were his lead recruiters. Evans is now the third prospect to commit to LSU over the last four days, joining four-star safety Joel Rogers and three-star wide receiver Highland Biot. Evans is also the 18th player to commit to LSU's 2024 class and its first prospect from Tennessee. LSU had the number six recruiting class in the nation prior to Evans's commitment. I don't know if they're going to move up anymore, but it, does it really matter? Um, you just keep on getting them. And you see um, how you can develop them. And, and I think that's what uh, Brian Kelly and his staff are looking for. Uh, they can develop and keep kids on board. And by the time they get to understand the system, grow in the weight room, uh, they'll be A-OK. LSU's football season. You know, the SEC network doled out a uh, a uh, kind of a television party with the addition of Oklahoma and Texas, and they divulged everybody's SEC schedule and where they would play those games for the season of 2024. If you're an LSU football fan, if you don't like this schedule, and I've always said, man, let's get some better games, especially in Tiger Stadium. So in 2024, LSU opens up neutral site in that made-for-television game, USC, in Las Vegas, Nevada. Garrett Nussmeyer will be the quarterback for LSU for that one. UCLA comes to Tiger Stadium. The rent-to-win South Alabama comes in, and then the rest of the home schedule, Alabama comes to Tiger Stadium, Oklahoma comes to Tiger Stadium, you get Vanderbilt, and you get Ole Miss. You've got to go on the road to Arkansas, to Florida, to South Carolina, to Texas A&M. Everybody says, okay, who's got the toughest schedule? I think every team has the toughest schedule. There are no easy schedules in the SEC. There just aren't. Yes, LSU does not play Auburn. Yes, LSU does not play Mississippi State. The SEC West is gone. Those rivalries will be renewed, but not on a yearly basis at this point in time. But, I mean... Do you consider it an easy schedule if you have Vanderbilt on your schedule? Well, it may be better than others, but when you got to play Alabama, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Florida, Ole Miss, South Carolina, Texas a <laughs> excuse me, that ain't easy. That ain't easy. So, and then if they do like I believe they will do after that 2024 season comes and goes and they go to nine games, then – then it gets even more interesting. So a team like, you know, you get an Auburn or you get a Mississippi State, whatever. Um, yeah. It, it, I just think this is a win for the fans of college football. The win is for the fans. You're the ones that are spending all the money all the money with the service charge, the parking pass. Yeah, you get two tickets. It costs you 4000 a year. Minimum. Minimum. 
So with that being said, you don't want to see these dogs come into this stadium. Give me Oklahoma. Give me UCLA. I mean, that's terrific. The fans are the winners in this deal. So I am all, all for that. All for it. Um, U.S. Open Golf Championship underway at Los Angeles Country Club. Ricky Fowler, through 13 holes, is at six under par to lead the way. Xander Shoffley is at five under par through 12. Ryan Fox is at three under par. Jacob Solomon is at two under par. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau, two under. Scotty Scheffler, two under. Still with holes left to be played. So it's early. It's early in the round, and we'll update that throughout the course of the day. But as of right now, it is um, Ricky Fowler, who is uh, atop the leaderboard at six under par, one shot better than Xander Shoffley. Okay, uh, we'll take our first time out of the day here. We'll tell you, Christian Clark will join us at around 2.30 this afternoon. What is the latest on the Pelicans, the possibility of moving up in the draft. What is he hearing? Is it Zion Williamson that needs to be offered? Is it Brandon Ingram? Is it CJ McCollum and others? Uh, we'll get um, the thoughts from Christian Clark on that. Uh, in our number two, Matthew Bruni will join us uh, with more on LSU baseball, LSU football. And um, Ross Jackson at 3.30 will join us. It's day three of Saints minicamp that's in the books. Uh, the players are going on vacation now, and uh, we'll see what happened at Saints camp today. So that's what we've got in store for you and yours. When we return, head coach Jake Johnson joins us. We'll hear from him and his thoughts as the Tigers are in Omaha when we return after this first time out of the day. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You want to take your lady out for a nice dinner, but you're low on cash? Not to worry. The Game Club, us at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. As a member of our Rewards Club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse, a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. They're both located at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. And you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Jordy Holtberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your soul the hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Right, we are back. LSU baseball in Omaha as they get uh, ready to start the College World Series, which gets underway tomorrow with the other side of the bracket. Apart from LSU, LSU along with uh, uh, along with Tennessee and Stanford and Wake Forest. Jake Johnson, prior to leaving for Omaha, uh, we had reporters out there and he caught up with it. Um, and uh, I, I 
you know, his thoughts. Here's Jake Johnson's thoughts on the four-team bracket that LSU's in, and specifically their first opponent, the Tennessee Volunteers. Yeah, not a surprise at all. You know, when you look at the bracket, when it comes out, you obviously get focused on the game in front of you, and then you kind of look to that that first game, what it might be. And, I mean, that's basically why I anticipated that we would play. Uh, great team, great talent. Uh, enjoy competing against them, and it um, should be a great, great night for college baseball. I'm just curious. Everyone seems to love Scott Barry. You, you have any interactions yeah. and stuff with him? Yeah, very, big time respect, um, you know, to uh, be a mid-major coach at, a, at programs that were successful. I think I kind of uh, – appreciate the challenges and there's a few of them like southern miss that have kind of ascended to their own level in that regard and that takes great coaching great recruiting great leadership great culture uh the guy's a winner and um you know somebody that i i admire a lot okay everybody talks about can lsu's hitting transition from alec box stadium to omaha um different ballpark different dimensions, wind blow in, wind blow, it doesn't matter. But Jay Johnson kind of capsulized everything when he talked about why it's harder to hit in Omaha. You know, I, I think it's bigger. And I think, um, you know, what is a hitter's ballpark? I think maybe it's, it's a little bit relative to what Rosenblatt used to be like, which was a launching pad. So um, I think it's evolved into more fair recently. And, um, you know, winning baseball is winning baseball. And then there's just creating an awareness of, of some things that might be unique about it. And so uh, we'll spend some time, you know, doing that and, and make sure we're plugged in and dialed into what we need to do. I think the thing that gets lost of it not being a hitter's ballpark either is if you're in Omaha, you have great pitching, mm -hmm. as we do, as all these other teams do. So it's just flat out harder to score when you're facing the opponents that are, are usually there. Makes sense. You wouldn't be there if you didn't have good pitching. Jake Johnson uh, elaborated more on his pitching staff, and it's all about trust, and he's got trust in a lot of arms wearing the purple and gold. Yeah, I think there's a huge benefit of that, especially when you go through a long season. When you go through the intensity of the season uh, through the SEC schedule, um, you look back at our SEC opponents and – how they finished the year, um, it kind of brings to light like how difficult that stretch of baseball was. Um, so they got taxed, you know what I mean? And we, we played four games a week every week and never had a losing week the entire season. And to do that, you need guys to execute. And against that schedule, that's, uh, that's tough. So getting a few guys a breather, I, th I would expect some really good performances out of those guys, you know, come this week. Even like a guy like Thatcher who went high pitch count two weeks in a row, like it might be the best thing that, that ever happened, you know, for him to, to get a breath this, this last weekend. We certainly hope that is uh, the case, right? Um, it's all about a coach being to, able to instill his thoughts, his way of doing things, to a team does that team buy in 100 percent? do you have a couple that do and a, a bunch that don't well according to jake johnson this team has bought in and uh, bought in solely on what it takes to have success 
it's everything. And uh, we started talking about it from day one last year. Like you can wait and see how this goes, you know, this, this different approach to things and we're just going to waste time. But I haven't had, I haven't had any pushback fight. It's like, if you want to do it, it's got to be like an immediate like trust. And on my end, I know I have to earn that from them. You know what I mean? And how I work and how we prepare and all of those types of things. But let's not waste time, you know, in feeling this thing out. And they didn't do that. And uh, for sure, the guys that are still here that we chose to be here, um, the, 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 you could call whatever you want, all in, bought in, buy in. It's at the highest possible level. Like there's, there's been no issue with that. And then not only that, they've pushed it forward themselves as players, you know, and, and that's where the player leadership with so many guys, you know, Paul, Dylan, uh, Cade, Gavin, Ty Floyd has really emerged in that regard. So um, it's, it's something, another thing that I'm the most proud of. That is so, so, so essential. I mean, it's a long season. It's a lot of sitting in dugouts. It's a lot of rain delays and waiting. Um, and all those players that go to LSU are at the top of their class when they, they were in high school. They are the best of the best. Some get to play, some get better and they play. Some maintain where they are, status quo, and they don't. Do they cause a problem in the locker room? Do they cause that um, that angst and anxiety on a team? Well, this team is bought in, and that's that is so, so critical. And because of that, Dick Johnson talked about how proud he is of the way this team has handled themselves with all the expectations from from day one to now yeah i think uh the accomplishments i mean entitlement that's it's a good word um and to be the complete opposite of that is a great quality in your team and that's our team i mean uh they are very mature in their approach we've been very intentional about our approach and um, this is a special deal getting there. I mean, because outside of Riley, Bryce, and Christian, none of the players have been to Omaha. So it's a, a big, it's a big accomplishment, and they knew they had to go earn it. Uh, with that being said, I mean, we clearly set a goal that is beyond being in the College World Series, and um, they believe in themselves at a high level. They know what elite preparation looks like. They know what being in the moment looks like. I think they've exhibited that over the past two weeks as good as you possibly can those things will serve us well with, with where we're headed and what we're doing. Um, but um, becoming a team and uh, having a legitimate process uh, that's defined that they work through on a daily basis and respecting that, um, what we talked about going into the Super Regional is like getting there and having an opportunity to play there is going to be more worth it and more fulfilling because of how they've respected what they need to do. And I'm really proud of them for that. And because of the groundwork that Skip Bertman laid, that Paul Maneri further fertilized, um, Jake Johnson realizes that the goal is always for one thing and one thing only when you're at LSU baseball, and that's to work and garner a national title. Well, the answer is definitely yes to that question. Um, you know, and, and what I tell the players is like, you know, you either have goals or you have dreams. You know, if you have dreams, you just think about things. If you have goals, you think about them and then you go to work uh, very deliberately on how you want to achieve them. And so, yeah, there's a thought, but then it, it's got to be followed up with action, you know, and, and for our players, obviously it's 
playing in the College World Series, winning a national championship, but they also want to play in the major league someday. Like, if you're coming here, like, that's a thing for you. And um, so kind of teaching them how to have the self-discipline to make them goals instead of dreams is, is kind of what, what we talk about a lot and um, how I try to operate from my chair or my position. And uh, I think this team has done a great job of that. And I think if you look at the player improvement, um, you know, uh, Gavin Dugas switching a position, Cade Beloso, I mean, emerging into a legitimate middle of the order, you know, hitter, uh, Jordan Thompson, you know, um, quality at bat after quality at bat, great defense, um, Hayden Travinsky. Uh, there's so many good stories of that on this team. I mean, I, I think that improvement shows it shows that they have talent, but it also shows the self-discipline to stay focused on the work. And, and going into this, we'll stay focused on the work. Like, we've got our schedule all mapped out of where we're at, what we're doing, and, and getting prepared to play on Saturday. Attention to detail. Jake Johnson, one of the best and one of the best, according to everybody that works with him and that works against him, uh, one of the all-time great recruiters. So just a little bit of sound um, from Jake Johnson as the Tigers working out in Omaha as they get ready for Saturday. Can't wait. Cannot wait. Cannot wait for our next guest. What's the latest with Zion, Scoot, the Pels? Christian Clark will give us the details when we return. This is the Jordy Holdberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Looking for great deals? Then look no further than AcadianaDeals.com. Plenty of two-for-one deals available right now. You can get a $30 voucher to La Hacienda for only $15. And this Friday, you'll be able to get a $40 voucher to Misfits Dine and Drink for only $20. Once again, visit AcadianaDeals.com to take advantage of these deals and so many more. We are back 34 minutes, 35 minutes after the hour on this Thursday, June 15th. It's spreading like wildfires now. When it came to a report earlier in the week that the Pelicans were aggressively pursuing moving up in the draft of course everybody said now oh the only way to do that is to put one of your stars on the trading block and that would be zion williamson well it's uh, now it's just going crazy people are speculating here there and the other well i gotta get to the brass tacks of the matter with the guy with the no and that's uh christian clark who covers the pels for nola.com he's kind enough to to join us here today there is no such thing as an off-season christian just when i thought you'd be able to relax go to the beach here we go um more pelicans news how are you it's never boring around these parts man it's never boring i mean i wouldn't say this is like a you know premier nba franchise but i'm i'm always entertained i'm always on my toes Um, normally when these kind of reports come out, um, there, you, you, you know, there, there's gotta be a little bit of truth to it. Maybe there's not a whole lot of truth to it, but, but David Griffin hadn't come out and said, no, we're not, no, we're not going to do this or do that. We're not trading Zion. We're not, no, um, we like where we are, but he hasn't said that, has he? No, he hasn't said that, um, 
Man, it's it's interesting. Um, <laughs> you know, like I know, you know, I heard, I heard, I guess at the end of May, hey, look, like a couple of people on the Pelicans really like Scoot Henderson, um, like think he has a chance to be special, special. Um, and you know, I'm I'm a fan of Scoot Henderson. I thought that was interesting. I took note, and you know, a couple of weeks later, this this trade stuff starts to bubble up, and I do think it's connected in some way. Um, and I think the Pelicans have really do have a ton of interest in Scoot Henderson. Um, and you know, I the the Zion stuff is out there. I mean, Brandon Ingram, I think you know, there's a chance. Like he's not in this team in two weeks. We'll see. Um, but you know, I think the next seven days are going to be very interesting. Yeah. Um, what kind of what what uh, what message would it send if the Pelicans were open to trading Zion Williamson? Yeah, I think the message it would send. I mean, is they're sick of his BS. Um, I mean, yeah. I, I just think that he has really put them through a lot of stuff in the last four years. Um, you know, like at some point, you know, a player can't control injuries, right? Like those are just going to happen. But, you know, I think he can control like his efforts and focus during the rehabilitation process. And by all accounts, that's been really bad. Um, you know, he can control like his diet and conditioning. That's been really bad. He can control his attitude. I mean, it seems like that's been bad a lot of the time. Um, but I think it would just send a message that we're sick of this. Um, but I mean, you know, I put this on Twitter yesterday. I know he has put them through a lot. I still wouldn't do it. I mean, he's got five years left in the deal, immense talent. Like, I got I to gotta at least see one more year. That's my whole point. I mean, you, you roll the dice, and we've seen so many players um, who get injured early. I mean, Steph Curry was, was hurt early in his career. Um, Joel Embiid hurt early in his career. Then all of a sudden... They put in the work. They were mature enough to to rehab and and rehab hard, and and the rest is history. So if you do trade him now, you risk that chance. And Zion, a generational type of talent, we've seen it when he's on the court playing. Man, he's good. And man, you'd hate to see that in some other uniform when you had a hold of him, right? I mean, he just he drives winning. It's the thing too. I mean, when he played last year, they were near yeah. the top of the Western Conference. I mean, he's just shown over and over. Like, I think he can really impact winning. He's just got to figure out a way to play a little bit more, um, you know. And I think, like, as far as his career trajectory, yeah, he could be like a Greg Oden level bust. But the other side of that coin is he could be Joel Embiid and have that type of career trajectory, and. You know, I think it's still to be determined, and I think a lot of it will be determined by is he going to start working harder? Is he going to become more focused? And I don't know the answers to those questions, but I'm just I'm just not right ready to give up on him yet. I mean, if you want to, if you had to trade one of them to go get Scoot Henderson, you know, I could see doing Ingram for number two and like Gordon Hayward back, like that would make sense to me. I just. I, I just wouldn't give up on Zion yet. It's too early and he's too good. You know, why, why would a team, um, they they all know what's going on in New Orleans. They all see Zion. I mean, would a Charlotte take a Zion Williamson or a Portland? 
with all the injury. I mean, that's a, that's a roll of the dice on their end as well. Yeah, it is. I mean, like if I was a, if I was another team, I would absolutely be looking at ways I could get him um, because I think you know if he does go to a different situation, they can look at him and say, "Hey, man, you're an incredible talent. We all know that, but what you were doing your first four years was not working." Like you are going to just have to get better in a lot of ways. Uh, your your stepfather is not going to really have a voice here because that wasn't working out for you. Um, so like we're gonna we're gonna kind of you know it'll be collaborative, but we're gonna do it a lot of our way. Uh, and you know I would I would be trying hard to get him if I was on another team because you know like there's only a handful of guys who could be the best player in a championship team. And if Zion yeah. you know gets his act together, he could plausibly be that guy. Um, what is the team's thoughts on a Brandon Ingram? All we hear are the negatives about Zion and, you know, he doesn't work, you know, he doesn't rehab hard and can't control his weight. I mean, he had to put a weight clause in his contract for goodness sake. We don't talk much about Brandon Ingram. Um, and he had the, the toe issue that took forever and a day to, uh, to heal up. Well, what is the thoughts on him and the Pelican culture, so to speak? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question. I mean, he kind of just goes under the radar because of how many yeah. headlines Zion grabs at all times. Um, you know, he's only got two years left in the deal, and if they're not able to agree to extension this summer, of one year left, and if he doesn't agree to an extension next summer, you got to trade him, right? I mean, unless you just want to yeah. risk letting him walk for nothing. Um, you know what? I think he really frustrated people with how long it took him to get back on the court with that injury this last year. Uh-huh. You know, the Pelicans maintained the whole time. This is a toe bruise. He missed 29 games with it. Uh, when Zion got hurt in early January, the Pelicans were second in the West. They finished ninth in the West. So, like, you know, he passed the but Zion passed the baton, and they just they just couldn't hang in the race. Um, so, you know, I could I could see Ingram being on the move. Like, if if I think the most likely outcome is, first of all, is both of them are back next year. And then I think the second most likely outcome, just my gut feeling, is that Ingram gets moved. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't pass that up. I, I think in today's game, uh, a point guard that can push the pace, get to the rim, uh, and that's what Scoot Henderson is, I, I'm all for that. I am all for that. I think, I think you get rid of um, a Brandon Ingram, now Trey Murphy steps up his game a little bit more. We saw a little bit more of outside shooting potential from a Herb Jones. You mentioned a Gordon Hayward uh, that would come over. Um, he's proven he can score. So, you know, I, I wouldn't be opposed to that. But you tell me about Scoot Henderson and why you think he would fit in with this club. Yeah, I mean, I think the kid has a ton of talent, first of all. The uh, G League Ignite. You know, the, the pro team that, that Scoot has played for for the past two years played Metropolitans 92 twice uh, in October. That is the team that number one overall pick Victor Wembenyama plays for. Right. Scoot Henderson went toe-to-toe with Wembenyama in the first one of those games. He had like 29-8-5 or something like that. And if you watch that game, I was like, oh, this kid can be electric sometimes. I mean, you know, six foot three point guard. You put the ball in his hands and let him do his thing. You know he's kind of built like an NFL safety. He's got long arms. He's like six foot eight wingspan. You know, all, very athletic. Like good vertical pop will go up and dunk on you. I think 
one of his best skills. He's good ball handling. He's a good passer. Like he just he just changes direction so quickly. Like you just can't stay in front of him and stay glued to him. And he, you know, you just put him, let him run pick and roll a bunch. Um, so I think he has, you know, a lot of talent. And the thing that that a lot of people bring up too is. He's got a great mentality. He's been a professional basketball player for two years. I think a lot of the stuff you've seen with Zion early on, like people are optimistic. You wouldn't see that with Scoot. Like he's just kind of comfortable, like already being a pro basketball player at 19 years old. And, you know, you're not hopefully not going to have to deal with a lot of the BS. Um, yeah. And so I think, you know, he could be like a, a culture driver is like the cliche that a lot of people use. But like he could be that guy. I mean, they haven't really got leadership from Zion or Brandon you know, like Scoot would plausibly be like a star you could actually get leadership from. If if the trade doesn't go and you don't get to move up, would you entertain bringing Chris Paul back into the fray if he cuts ties with Phoenix? Oh, man. I I would entertain it. I mean, mm-hmm. I wonder if he would That's want to right be the price. sixth man because that would be the best role for him here. Um, I just think it would be tough for the Pelicans – to start Chris Paul and CJ, um, yeah. you're just uh, you know a little bit small in the backcourt then, and then you know you're also asking like Trey Murphy and Herb Jones to go to the bench probably in that scenario. Um, you know, I I would love to pitch him on like, will you come be our sixth man and like whip these guys into shape? But I, it just seems unlikely that he would accept that role. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, what kind of odds do you give of either a branded I, I don't think they're trading Zion. I, I just don't think they have the nerve to do so um, after just giving him that max deal and doing everything in the world to help the guy. I think they want to see results, uh, at, like you said, at least one more year and then go from there. But um, what kind of odds do you think, do you, do you give for this happening? Uh, Zion getting moved? Zion or Brandon. or Brandon or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think if I had to like rank the outcomes by how much I think it's going to happen, I think yep. the most likely one is neither get moved. I think the second most likely one is Ingram gets moved, and then I think the third one is Zion gets moved. I mean, my gut instinct is just if one of them gets moved, it is Ingram because he's only got two years left in the deal. He's just not as good as Zion. And they need to be good next year. Like, David Griffin's four years into this thing, and the Pelicans have never finished higher than ninth place. Like, right. I mean, you're you're kind of getting into, like, jobs on the line territory pretty soon here. You know, like, you'll have five years of you got to make the Anthony Davis trade and get the return from that, and you won the lottery in 2019 for the stud, and all you have to show for it so far is uh, two playoff wins, and we won the play-in tournament one time. Uh, I mean, I just think they have to be good next year, and I think the easiest way for them to be good is keep Zion and hope he plays 60-plus games. Yeah, I'm with you. Any news, speaking of hoping he plays, any new news on the uh, the medical uh, training staff, or what do, you, what do you call it, player performance and whatever? Yeah, you can use whatever euphemism you want, uh, <laughs> the medical training side. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know what? I don't think I don't expect Aaron Nelson to be around the team next year. I mean, maybe he just gets like a, a different title, but he's not really around the team that much. Uh, I think they're going to look for a different head of that department. From my understanding, they have not 
you know, identified that person yet. I think they kind of got some bigger concerns right now with, well, what the heck do we want this roster to look like uh, yeah, with the draft yeah. a week away? Um, but I would I would just bet on there being a different head of that department than Aaron Nelson next year. I think who that is is TBD. As a fan, take the media aspect out of it. As a fan, I, I love the fact that at least there's the possibility of this team doing something. Because if you're standing pat and relying on a the 14th pick in the draft to to take you to the next level and you're you're you know you're you're dreaming so at least they're they're thinking about it maybe they're trying it we'll see what happens but if i'm a fan of the pelicans i'm i'm a little bit excited about this going okay at least they're trying but they can't you know Dyson Daniels is a good player but he's not going to help you right now it's going to be a couple of years before you get something out of him to take you to where you want to get and, and like you said there's a sense of urgency they got to get good and get good in a hurry yeah i mean i'm i'm curious what the the fan reaction would be like it's like hypothetically let's say they said all right send ingram to charlotte get back henderson scoot henderson and gordon hayward um i mean i don't like i would love to know what just like the the average pelican fan thinks in the state i know like the the hardcore Twitter Pelicans fans, I don't know that they would be that excited. Like I, the reaction I see there is mostly like, we love Brandon Ingram and don't want to give up on him. I mean, he seems to be a fan favorite in some ways, but also Twitter is Twitter. You know, it's not really representative yeah. of like the entire population. Um, but I would be fascinated to see what the reaction would would be yeah. overall. I think it'd be really interesting. I, I, yeah, it would be interesting. I think uh, if you stand pat, you're moving two steps back, uh, and so. Hopefully something something will be happened, but we'll know in about a week. Well, something's if anything's going to happen, it's going to happen soon, and uh, we'll see what happens. Christian Clark, it always keeps him entertained and amused, and uh, there is no off season in the association. So thank you for your time, greatly appreciated. We look forward to reading your your tweets and all your columns as the NBA draft. What a week away! One week away. One week away. Okay, we'll see, big guy. Thank you, as always. Hey, thanks, man. All right, Christian Clark, NOLA.com, covering the Pelicans. And Brandon Ingram for the number two pick? I say go for it. They're not trading Zion. They're just not. I'd be stunned. I'd be stunned. That boy, would that tell you? Who would that tell you a message? God, they've tried everything, and they're fed up. He's been a problem his whole career here. Now we want him to be somebody else's problem. But if he doesn't become a problem for them and he becomes this all-world player, you talk about egg on your face forever? I don't think you can do it. I don't think you can take the chance. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. We'll wrap up our number one next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And some of our great partners like ShopRite, Tobacco Plus, Discount Outlets. Man, if you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. Eon. The premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. Eon in Lafayette, in Baton Rouge, and in Mandeville. By the Louisiana Lottery, 
so many opportunities to win, but you can't win until you start playing by DC's Little Capital Exxon with their true soul food deli. The best cheeseburger ever. And by Cajun Chef. Man, do yourself a flavor. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef hot sauce. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we are back. Coming up, our number two, Matthew Bruni. We'll talk more LSU baseball as Paul Skeens is the 2023 Dick Hauser Trophy winner going to college baseball's best player. We know that LSU is going to welcome Alabama into Tiger Stadium in 2024. They're going to welcome Oklahoma into Tiger Stadium in 2024, along with UCLA. No more Auburn. No more Mississippi State. You got to give. You got to take. So um, some of those traditional games will be gone uh, on a daily, on a yearly basis. But it is what it is. We'll talk about that. Ross Jackson will sum up Saints minicamp, which wrapped up today. All this and much, much more coming your way. Our number two, the Jordy Hilford Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champ, the Houston Astros. Live and local, this is the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone, it's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Now in number two of two, and away we go on this Thursday, June 15th, the year 2023. Hope you're having a great day so far. We had a busy hour number one. We heard from Jay Johnson and uh, as the Tigers are in Omaha, we got the latest on the Pelicans and their possible pursuit of a move up into the NBA draft, which is one week from today. And uh, the likelihood of what the Pels would do to get to that point in time. Uh, you can listen to all those interviews on demand at 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. But my main man, James Mesh, is in the master control suite in the Evco Development Studios. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. It's on the campus of Delta Media, which is where you'll find KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're on KLCJ 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming everywhere, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you happen to be in the Acadiana area, you can turn on your television set because we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Um, Tigers in Omaha, and uh, they're they're getting ready for Saturday, 6 p.m. The Tennessee Volunteers. They've met already this season. Earlier in the year, LSU won two out of three. Uh, Tennessee was the, the big story a year ago going into the season. LSU, the big story this year going into the season. And now these two get to meet on the biggest stage. Matthew Bruni covers LSU, all things LSU. And he's kind enough to join us today. Matthew, how have you been, my friend? 
Hey, I've I've been great. Um, it's getting really hot outside, so trying to preserve preserve my energy. But we got a couple of football camps over the next two days, so that'll keep us uh, busy. I mean, that heat index index is going to be um, triple figures easily. I, I'm hearing going up to 109. So my goodness! Before we talk baseball, LSU Brian Kelly um, three uh, three signees in four days. Um, I believe uh, the latest Andre Evans, a four-star cornerback. So uh, how do you rank this 2024 class at this point in time with, I think, 18 players committed? Yeah, 18. It's getting up there. Um, I'm really interested to see what number they end up settling at. Obviously, the NCAA did away with the 25-player cap that was in place for a long time. And so um, – I think coming out of the COVID years and you know, players having that extra eligibility, it was kind of necessary in order for teams to kind of reset their rosters in a lot of way. And you look at a team like LSU, yeah. I mean, if you're able to take 30-plus, I mean, 30, 31, 32 commits, it is a huge benefit uh, to a team like LSU because without that, they would not be able to get to 85, 83, 82 players on their roster for a while. So now – with that being the case, I, I do think they get up to 30 uh, in this class, and I think they still have uh, – they could very well go north of that. So it's a, it's a very, very solid class right now. I believe it's ranked uh, ninth in the country right now, but that's kind of because they're waiting on a couple of the heavy hitters that they could get to, to come through. Uh, Matthew Bruni, Bengal Tiger on three. Um, does a podcast, does writing, does, does a little bit of uh... – of everything. Uh, Kim Mulkey got what she wanted. She uh, wanted some improvements to the women's side of that practice facility and the board of supervisors rubber stamp that one. So uh, she continues to get what she wants into the victor. Go the spoils. Yeah. She's um, obviously been very vocal about the PMAC, the practice facility, all that uh, stuff. It doesn't, it doesn't surprise me at all that they're making moves. I mean, I, I had, uh, you know, talked to people around the team that said this is, they're going to be making some significant moves over the summer and over the next couple of years in terms of facility and stuff like that. So it's not a, nothing new for LSU fans, right? Um, you know, new track, new PMAC, new facilities, all that stuff. Um, so it's uh, just another, another day, another facility upgrade. You don't think they're going to tear down the PMAC and build a new arena, do you? I think they're just going to renovate and upgrade. I, I don't know enough, but I I believe that they're just going to renovate it, but it will be a very much a um, a wholesale renovation, let's just say, yeah. from what I understand. So we'll see how what I they think, do. I think those ramps going up to the side, I think they're going by the wayside, and there's going to be a little bit more modernization uh, to that, but we'll see. Um, that's still to come down the road. Uh, we know now who LSU's opponents will be, in football in 2024. And I mean, if you don't like this schedule, I don't know what you can like. Um, you start off in Vegas against Southern Cal. So that's going to be uh, a must go to trip for LSU fans. UCLA mm-hmm. comes back to town. You got Alabama at home. You got Oklahoma at home. You got Ole Miss at home. You got Vanderbilt. You go on the road, Texas A&M, South Carolina, Florida, Arkansas, Everybody says who's got the who's got the most difficult schedule now that the SEC revealed it last night. 
I don't think anybody has an easy one. I think they're all hard. Yeah, yeah there was the graphic circulating of all eight teams or all the all the schedules for all fourteen teams and uh, or sixteen teams, and yeah, it just every single team looks like it's challenging. I think Arkansas thought thinks that they have a difficult schedule, but they still have you know Texas and LSU. Like it's it's a plenty. Every single team has a lot of challenges, which is what we expected whenever they got rid of divisions and they obviously added Texas and Oklahoma. So with that being the case, I mean, imagine if it was a nine-game conference schedule. It would be even um, more saturated than what it already is. But LSU to have USC and UCLA on the schedule makes it a lot of fun because you get those as two of your first four games. You have the Nichols game in there. You have South Alabama. And then, like you said, Vanderbilt. But at least Vanderbilt is, you know, an SEC um, team. But other than that, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to, to the schedule. There will be some LSU fans that uh, believe in tradition, so there's no more Auburn game on the schedule. There's no Mississippi State game on the schedule. But you got to be able to give and you got to be able to take. Um, I welcome Oklahoma instead of Mississippi State. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah. UCLA, okay, that, that's great. That'll be fun. Yeah, it's uh, especially this year or the 2024 year with USC and UCLA. You you look at it as a clear opportunity to where if, you, if this team is very good, and obviously we talk, we've talked a lot about Garrett Nussmeyer. If you have Garrett Nussmeyer at the helm and you have a good right. team here, I mean, you're going to go into it where UCLA is rebuilding after Caleb Williams is gone. Um, you know, we'll see what UCLA is, and then you go down the list of teams that. Very much a schedule that if this team is clicking, you'll have enough quality wins there to be absolutely. a very you know high seed. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's. Uh, I think it's. I said it earlier, and I'll say it again. This is a win for the fans who have to spend yeah. all the money that it takes to go to these games. This is a win for the fans, and I'm all for that. Yeah, it's um. Uh, for me, you know, a lot of fans are, I want to say a lot of fans, but some fans are like, you know, why can't we have an easy first game? Because obviously three years in a row now, it'll be challenging opening season four years in a row, really, because UCLA, Florida State, Florida State, USC. Um, they're like, why can't we get an easier first game? To me, it's why not start off with a bang? I mean, this year they're going to have the biggest game in the country on the first weekend no against uh, Florida State. And then you go to 2024 and you play USC, I mean, who could very well be coming off of a monster year in 2023. It's just, to yeah. me, this is why you play the game, and this is why fans get excited. And this is why you go to LSU, right, to play in these games. Yeah. You know why I like it as a former player of another sport? But, man, this makes all your, your off-season workouts off mm -hmm. so much more intensified. Yep. You can't wait. You know you got to be ready. Um, and that's, that's, that means everything. So I'm all for it. I'm with you. And you get to go play in Vegas. Oh, LSU fans already booking their flights, their hotels. It's already all set in stone. They're, they're good to go on that one. All right, Matthew Bernie, we are, uh, Bengal tiger on three.com. Omaha is, has arrived. The LSU contingent LSU nation is heading that way. Um, a team that had all the expectations on their back. They started out great. They went through a little swoon, but now they seem to be peaking at the very right time to peak. 
What do you think of LSU, their bracket, and um, and their chances? Yeah, I'm, I'm obviously in the big picture. I do think they got the harder side of the draw, right? When with Wake Forest, Stanford, and Tennessee on their side compared mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Uh, Florida, Virginia, or Robertson, TCU, who are all playing well. All these teams are playing well, obviously, to get here. Sure. But uh, Tennessee, um, I watched a good amount of their series against Southern Miss. I was impressed with. Uh, the good. depth of pitching they have, they they really, especially in that game three, the way they were able to shut down that Southern Miss team and yeah. uh, put it away, I was really impressed with that. So um, then you go to Wake Forest, obviously the number one team in the country overtook LSU when LSU dropped a couple games late in the year, and they have not looked back. I mean, they put up 22 on Alabama in game two, swept sure them. Did and very deserving of the number one team in the country. Two first-round picks on their team. Um, obviously not not like LSU with the top two picks, but still plenty of talent, um, good depth of arms, uh, number one in basically every pitching uh, category and a, a lot of batting ones. And then Stanford is interesting because they haven't been as clean, and you could argue they should have lost to Texas, even though that game was uh, <laughs> crazy. crazy. Um, yeah. but they've, they're five and zero in elimination games and they're very resilient. I just think that they're going to be a tough out, even if Wake Forest beats them in game one. So it's a, it's a hard draw, obviously for LSU versus Tennessee to start off. You get to see Paul Skeens, um, um, starts off and he had a really good outing against Tennessee when they played in the regular season, seven innings, um, just really, really good control, five hits, one walk, one earned run. So you get that kind of performance, LSU should be sitting pretty and going to round two, uh, where obviously we'll see what they can do from there. But the first game is obviously the important one. You got to get, you want to get off to a one no start. And I think with Paul Skeens there, I feel pretty good about that. Especially with that ballpark, everybody talks, will LSU's offense translate over to Charles Schwab Field? Well, when, when you have a picture of the magnitude of Skeens, who was named the Dick Hauser Award winner for college baseball's premier player. Um, you, yeah, you got to like LSU's chances um, in this one. I don't know what approach Tennessee will take. They've seen them. They've learned it. But you can see it and you can know all about it. But you still got to you still got to put that bat on that 102 mile an hour fastball and with all the other pitches that he has. So, man, what, what confidence he he gives to everybody involved from players to coaches to fans to everybody. He's a. Uh, He's he's the best picture I've seen at LSU, hands down by far. Yeah, he is um, outstanding. I was just laughing uh, when I was watching Game One against Kentucky. It's um, really incredible, and you you know in this game against Tennessee, even if there's a couple ups and downs, if it's a tight game, or even if LSU takes a five zero lead, I think they let kind of approach it how they did with. Tulane, you're going to try to get as much out of him as you Absolutely. possibly can in this game. They're not pulling yeah. him for for nothing, and no. because obviously the next time you can pitch him is the World Series of Finals. So there's really no no holds bars here. They're not going to try to dig into their their bullpen much at all. So I, I anticipate Skeens surpassing 100 pretty comfortably in this one. Absolutely. Ride that horse. The problem is we got to get Ty Floyd to stop throwing so many pitches through two and three innings. I mean, he gets up mm-hmm. to seventy something pitches after three innings, and man, you, I mean, we, he's got to he's got to throw strikes, make teams hit the ball, and let your defense get after it. Yeah, I mean, you think about his last two innings. Obviously, Thatcher Hurd comes in and 
saves him in the regional, not saves him, but he comes in the regional to, to close it out. And then in the supers, Riley Cooper comes in and, and pitches really well to, to put Kentucky away. So it's, um, uh, Jay Johnson has always given Ty Floyd the benefit of the doubt, and he's always believed in him. And so there's no reason yeah. for, for fans not to believe in him because he's still definitely the second best pitcher on this team, and he still has the ability to pitch um, to get them off on the right foot in most games. Uh, yeah. But they're obviously, if he does play Wake Forest in game two, which is projecting, but if he does pitch against Wake Forest in game two, he's going to have to have one of his best games of the season for them to have a chance. I'm with you. Um, you confident in this bullpen um, and what you have seen? Or they, um, they've really stepped up. They stepped up in the Super Regional for sure. I, I will say I, I feel better, and I think everybody should feel better. Um, but this team has been playing from ahead for a lot of the, the postseason, True. right? It's been True. false schemes, getting them off to a good start, regional, Super Regional. There hasn't been that pressure, and there hasn't been that – sort of we have to stop the bleeding type feel when during the regular season there's been a few moments where they've had to stop the bleeding and they weren't able to stop the bleeding and that's where it's going to be interesting to see okay if wake forest goes up three three one on them and you got to bring take floyd out or you got to take cooper out and we get into the gidrys the Ackenhausen, the you know duttons the collins so on and so forth can they stop the bleeding? And that's what I'm interested to see because this is a very different animal from the regional, very different animal from Kentucky. Um, Tennessee is going to give them, uh, you know, some fits. And then obviously Wake Forest and whoever they have to play after that without Paul Skeens on the mound. Tennessee has that, uh, that, that air of cockiness about them. It ought to be, uh, it ought to be very, very intense to say the least, but with Paul Skeens on the bump, ah, man, I'm, I'm not betting against them. I'm just not. All right, Matthew Bruni, anything else? Uh, we've touched on um, Kim Mulkey getting what she wanted. We touched on Brian Kelly getting what he wanted. Oh, we hadn't, you know who's the invisible man, and I feel terribly for him, but Matt McMahon, man, he's just, whoa, the pressure on him with what else is going on. Can you imagine? Well, yeah, well, they, it, I, I can't imagine, first of all, to watch all of your, obviously, contemporaries and peers win national championships and compete for championships compete for and you're rebuilding. Yeah. But still, um, I obviously his team is set. I don't know if we talked about uh, Dame, um, Damon Collins coming over from Kentucky at all, but I do think that was a really good addition uh, for them uh, as a rim protector, rim running five that they did not have on this roster beforehand. So mm-hmm. I felt good about that. You know, they got their 13 players. Uh, we initially thought they were going to have a, one scholarship self-imposed ban, but they got something I think worked out with the NCAA to where they were able to avoid that. And so they have a full roster. Uh, they're looking, the 2024 class is really big for them. And that's what we've been focusing on the site. Um, for me yeah. specifically, I've been looking at that 24 class because that's the one they're in on a lot of top 80, top 70 guys, like a few guys out of Houston that are really interesting. Robert Miller, uh, so I remember his father played LSU football. Um, really good basketball yeah. player, so yeah, that'll be interesting to watch. Okay, yeah, at least he's got some. You know, he's got more time to evaluate. Last year, he just had to grab. Yeah. Please, somebody come over here, please. So they yeah. had no chemistry. That locker room was a mess. 
Um, and that you saw the results, but now I, I know the three kids from Louisiana that they got in the portal. I know them yeah. and they're high quality kids and they can play. Um, so if the bigs can step up and deliver, uh, we'll see some improvement. How much your guess is as good as mine, but people have to be a little bit patient. Unfortunately, uh, it's not going to come overnight in men's basketball. It's just not. Yeah. And, um, so we'll see. Again, setting expectations for them early on is interesting. People are starting to put out the top 25 preseason and, you know, five SEC teams are on there. So you know, I still think if they can get the seven wins, seven and 11 in conference, that would be a really solid step up. And north of that is a, is a win. And you yeah. kind of build from there. Again, the 2024 class is their biggest Jeez. priority right now in that. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, we'll see. And then the women's basketball side, 2024 class there, you can just Google <laughs> – uh, top 10 ranking or top 100 rankings and just go through they're going after all the top 10 so just uh, everybody everybody that's good they're trying to get it. and why wouldn't they come to lsu matthew bruni bengal tiger on three.com always fun talking with you buddy thanks for all the all the knowledge my friend yes thanks Jordy. anytime take care buddy we'll take a timeout we'll come back with more here after this timeout this is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We here at the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, know you love our shenanigans on and off the air. So go and subscribe to our YouTube channel at The Game Louisiana and turn that bell on so you can get notifications when we post our new content and game recap. So go see more of our fun behind the scenes and after work mischief at the game, Louisiana on YouTube. Once again, that is at the game, Louisiana on YouTube. Every day is a chamber of commerce kind of day. When you're listening to the Jordy Holberg show, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. We are back. Um, update at the U.S. Open Golf Championship at the Los Angeles Country Club. Ricky Fowler in the clubhouse at eight under par today. What a score on that course. It's a par 70. So uh, do the math on that one. Uh, through 16 holes, Xander Shoffley is right behind at seven under. Through 17, Scotty Scheffler is at four under. Bryson DeChambeau in the clubhouse at three under par. So, um, uh, so far, Ricky Fowler far and away uh, in control, but still some players, a lot of players just getting their round underway. Or remember, it's, uh, it's out on the West Coast, so it's only – like 125 out there. So some players haven't even hit the course yet, but John Rahm through 16 holes, even par. Um, so you can see sometimes uh, you get going early and Ricky Fowler look, looking to see if he can put back to back to back to back rounds together and win this thing. But so far, so good for him. But Xander Shoffley right there behind him. So, um, uh, we'll stay tuned. Uh, great, great, great course um, out there. Great course. NFL's having a troubling time finding a team that wants to be 
the Hard Knocks team of 2023. Uh, four teams, obviously, are eligible. And um, a lot of them have said, no, they don't want to. The Saints don't want to do that. They, they're, they're done with it. They don't want to. But, you know, uh, eventually somebody's going to, to have to do it. And that, that's just because the NFL is going to make them. And now that the calendar is hit June, the league still hasn't made an announcement about which team will be getting the hard knocks treatment this year. Last year, the announcement of the team was made in March with the Detroit Lions getting picked. According to the Detroit News, the NFL's had such a tough time finding a team that the league actually asked the Lions to return for 2023. But Detroit said no, which leaves the league right back at square one with four eligible teams still out there. Um Denver doesn't have to be on the show in 2023 because they have a new coach. The Patriots won't have to be on the show because they've made the playoffs at least once in the past two seasons. And the Cowboys won't have to be on the show because they've appeared on hard knocks in the past 10 years. So when you factor rules and applications involved, you've got the Jets, the Bears, the Saints, and the Commanders. Come on. If you want to sell tickets, if you want to make money, HBO, you get the New York Jets. You get the Jets. They got Aaron Rodgers making his debut. Um, They're not excited about doing it. Robert Sala, the head coach, isn't excited. Um, A lot of people don't want to open their doors. They don't want to have cameras on them all the time. They don't want the distraction of it all the time. Um, some owners will demand for it because it only helps their brand and it helps them maybe sell more tickets. Um, I don't know. We'll see. The Jets have already been on hard knocks back in 2010. That's when uh, Rex Ryan was the head coach. And, um, uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. But at Dennis Allen is adamantly against being on the show. He said, quote, I wouldn't like it because I just want to focus on our football team and getting better. And any distractions are exactly that distractions that keep you ultimately from reaching your goal. So I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, we shall see. The Bears don't want it. Nobody wants it. Maybe, maybe the commanders, new ownership. Maybe, maybe they want to show how things are moving in the right direction. Um, but time, time will tell. Speaking of time, uh, we're going to take a time out because it's time to wrap up Saints minicamp with uh, Saints News Network and all the other things that he does. Mr. Ross Jackson will give us what happened in day three out there on Airline Highway, where the Saints practice facility is. And that's coming your way next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 
And the Astros are looking for a sweep of the Washington Nationals tonight. They won the first two games of their three-game series. It continues at Minute Maid Park tonight. You can catch all the action live right here on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Astro Launch begins at 640. That's a great name, right? Astro Launch. That's great. And first pitch from Minute Maid Park is set for 7:10 p.m. That's live Astros baseball on Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We're back 36 minutes after the hour. Time to talk a little bit about the New Orleans Saints. But as I do, I get a report that, uh, according to those out there, Zion Williamson and David Griffin are meeting this afternoon at Saints headquarters. Hmm. Very interesting. Ross Jackson kind enough to join us as we talk a little bit about NFL talk. I think Zion would have been a pretty good football player, but he's always hurt. Ross, how are you, buddy? Doing great, buddy. Doing great. Glad to be here with you. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, mini camp. What What have you seen? What have you heard? What have you learned? I mean, they just players want to get through it. They want to go on vacation because the grind is coming at the end of July. So, what 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 do we take away from what we've seen so far in your eyes? <laughs> yeah, I think the. I mean, one of the big things is really the the mentality. Is a little bit different than that. It's not necessarily I want to go away because the the grind is coming. It, the the mentality of the New Orleans Saints roster right now seems to be I want to get to training camp. I'm ready to grind, which I think is a really good sort of attitude uh, to to see from from these players. I, I think the big standout thing here, of course, is is Derek Carr, right? The New Orleans Saints' new shiny quarterback. How is it that he fits into this New Orleans Saints offense? Um, you know, how is he? How is his chemistry being built with these other players and these other receivers? And, and what I would say is that Derek Carr looks like a perfect fit so far in this New Orleans Saints offense. Now we need to see it on the field at full speed and live action, all those right. other things. But he's off to a really good start, and so is the New Orleans Saints offense, although it is a little discouraging to see those pesky little tiny injuries already starting to yeah. pop up at the wide receiver position. Uh, you've got to be a little bit concerned about that no matter how much you're told, hey, uh, it's a minor what? thing, it's not too much of a concern. What happened to Chris Olave? I knew Rashid Shahid was a little uh, nicked up, but what's the deal with Chris Olave all of a sudden? Yeah, so while Shahid's dealing with a what's being described as a minor groin injury, and they were playing it safe this week, not having him out there, he also wasn't out for the final week of OTAs. They wanted to make sure that it didn't progress into a bigger thing, especially with groin injuries being as pesky as they are. So he was sitting out. He'll be back. Uh, for training camp is the expectation. Meanwhile, Chris Olave missed today's practice after catching a big 65-yard touchdown in yesterday's practice. He missed right. today with what was described as Achilles uh, inflammation. So not Ooh. anything big. It's not like a ruptured Achilles or, or, or anything like that, but just a little bit of irritation there and something that they didn't want to push because they don't want it to get any worse and you know potentially end up being a big-time impact for him. So instead, they took it easy with him. But it, no matter how much you're told, hey – it's it's minor. Uh, you still start to get a little bit concerned because you know the history of these New Orleans Saints, particularly recently in injuries. Ross Jackson with us. Um, I read uh, where Dennis Allen said that he only anticipates one player being questionable 
for the start of Saints training camp, but he's optimistic there. Uh, he wouldn't say who it was. Come on, now. Give me a guess. Who, who do you think he's talking about? My guesses would probably be guys on the on the offensive line that we haven't gotten to see yet. Trevor Pinning, Nick Saldivari, and Cesar Ruiz. Those are kind of the three that make the most sense. Cesar Ruiz is coming back from a late season. Liz Frank injury, so is uh, Trevor Pinning, who also had the, the turf toe injury or the dislocated toe injury at the beginning of the season. Uh, we did see, uh, or, or it was seen, that Trevor Pinning was participating in stretch yesterday, so that's a nice little piece of progression for him to see him there. He's usually kind of off to the side and watching. Meanwhile, Nick Saldaveri has a, uh, if I remember correctly, it was a calf injury that kept him out uh, throughout some of throughout OTAs as well as mini camps. And so, with that being the case, that one seems like the newest, freshest injury. So maybe that might be the player that they're referring to as being the guy that might be questionable to start camp. Uh, Dennis, uh, Dennis, Dennis Allen, uh, Derek Carr raved about uh, Alvin Kamara and the things that he can do. It, it seems like as soon as Drew Brees left, for whatever reason. Kamara's production as a wide receiver, catching balls out of the backfield, the numbers don't lie. They they plummeted south. Um, I think Derek Carr's smart enough to say, wait a minute, this guy's too good. We got to get him the ball more, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, the, the Saints as a whole uh, wanted to do that more last year as well. But remember, it wasn't just the, the departure of Drew Brees, but it was also the departure of a running mate out of the backfield. Basically, over the course yeah. of the past two years, you know, Alvin Kamara has been the bell cow back. They've had to run him between the tackles, run him outside, yeah. use him as a receiver. True. He had to be the pass protector. He's kind of had to do everything. And so it's kind of limited his ability to be able to really get kind of going in the spaces where they usually would because there's not the threat of that other back that can come in and change the pace and kind of change things up on the defense. Now with a guy like Jamal Williams there, along with the smarts of a guy like Drew Brees, excuse me, Derek Carr, uh, you get to the opportunity here to where you could see Alvin Kamara slip into a more familiar role in terms of his 2017 through 2020 type of production. So I think that's kind of the big thing that I'm watching is that, yeah, you've got a guy in Derek Carr who you know knows how to get the ball to the open spaces. He's not worried about the big choice. He's worried about the right choice, all of those things. And he knows how to operate a West Coast offense that utilizes a running back as a pass catcher. But also... Alvin Kamara's got a really good running mate now in uh, Jamal Williams. Might have another really yeah. good running mate, running mate in uh, Kendra Miller, who the Saints drafted in the yeah. third round out of TCU. So I think that will end up factoring in a little bit in terms of what his usage is. He doesn't have to be the bell cow back anymore. He can be the guy that you get out in space again. How has Jamal Williams looked, by the way? Oh, Jamal's great, man. I, and I, I, I say that from, from two different angles. There's, there's the on-field part where you can see him running hard, training hard. He was out there working over the course of the offseason, uh, catching over 1,000 pass or catching 1,000 passes a day, four days a week, all leading wow. up to mini camps and, uh, and all that. So he was wow. really, really working. His two big focuses while he was away from the facility were continue to improve as a pass catcher and continue to develop the mental side of the game. So he can be a little bit more reactionary, understanding, you know, angles, things like that. So he worked really hard uh -huh. on both of those areas of the game along with his usual training. So, you know, you see all that translating out onto the field already, but then you also look at him in the locker room and, you know, look, 2017, 2018, a big part of what made Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram so special together wasn't just what they did on the field, but it was their camaraderie. It was their friendship off the field. True. And that kind of True. energy is now back with a guy like Jamal Williams. And that's really cool to see. Oh, that is, I like him already, and I don't know him at all. Mm -hmm. But if he's out there catching <laughs> a thousand passes a day, gee whiz. Yep, put yeah, in the time, get a lot the of work. And I then like he it. shows up, and then he does his first locker room. And the first thing he does, he has two TV guys 
uh, Doug Mouton and Fletcher Mackle uh, rock, paper, scissors for a question. I mean, the guy's just, just a blast to be around. He's a ton of fun. Um, and, and, and look, he, it all translates out onto the field. It's not a situation to where, you know, he's, he's having a lot of fun off the field and you go, okay, well, you wish that he would pay more attention to what's going on on the field. No, he's very dedicated to his game and has a bright, shiny, awesome personality that uh, I think belongs and fits really well within the Saints culture. Speaking of Saints culture and personality, do you get a feeling that this team feels better just by having a Derek Carr presence on the field in the locker room? He's saying all the right things. Uh, Is he showing the talent that, that players get excited about? And do you notice a new level of excitement and anticipation? Yeah, I think things feel better this time around this year than they did uh, at this time around last year, you know, during OCAs and mini camps and things like that. So I think there's an immediate sort of comparison that you can make in terms of what the improvement is there. Uh, and, and some of that comes down to Derek Carr. Other, other pieces of that, too, are, are the coaches. You've got Cody Burns in his second year who you know, has developed a really good relationship with the receiver room, for instance. Todd Grantham immediately a hit in the defensive line room. They added in uh, you know, a couple of other coaches like Marcus Robertson, who's their DB coach. He's in immediately a fit in. So the culture of, of this team and sort of the, the excitement of this team goes beyond just the players in the locker room and the new players, but also the new faces in the coaching staff, Joe Woods, the energy that he brings. Uh, you know, you add a guy like Clancy Barone, who has like this incredible uh, reputation as a as a Pro Bowl maker when it comes to tight ends, and they have an extraordinarily improved tight end room. It feels like this year, so there's a lot of different things that are generating a lot of excitement around this team, and uh, I think all of it is kind of working in concert to kind of have spirits up at a place that maybe they didn't get to right away last year, uh, and they have every bit of opportunity to continue to develop and get. You know, things grow more exciting here as the uh, as training camp gets underway next month. There are um, now the players go on vacation, right? I mean, they got to work out and stay in shape. Coaches take a little break as well. But I know now's the time you've seen your team and you've evaluate you'll evaluate them. There's some free agents out there. Do you anticipate anything coming down the pipeline as far as a new acquisition or two prior to the start of training camp? Yeah, I think that's very possible, and I think you'll see several more changes, acquisitions, things like that all throughout training camp as well. This is a team that's going to continue to make moves and and get a look. They've also got, uh, what is it, 13.5? Well, $13.6 million available to them in terms of the salary cap spending right now. Uh, You know, so I I absolutely think so. Um, I think a a veteran edge rusher, a veteran edge defender like a Yannick Ngakwe would be an excellent addition for this team, I think. You know, potentially getting on the phone and having some conversations with the Las Vegas Raiders to see if you can get Hunter Renfro to this team yes. would be a great addition for them yes. as well. Like, there's, yeah, there's a lot of different ways that I think they'll continue to add talent to this team. Linebacker, linebacker. Mm-hmm. It's the depth there. Is the talent level there? If one of those guys gets well, hurt, I mean, is it there? That's the thing, right? And this is much like what we were just discussing with the wide receivers, too, where you have to be a little bit concerned because after the top three receivers, one injury there – who are you going to? Are you going to Traquan Smith again? Are you going to guys like Brian Edwards, who has been impressive, or James Washington, maybe one of the new faces? Is A.T. Perry going to be able to do enough during training camp to kind of hush the the criticisms that have been coming his way in terms of his you know drop passes and things like that, which he had a better mini camp showing than he had an OTA showing, which is good trajectory. It's exactly what you want to see. And so I look at linebacker the same way. You've got your top two guys in Demario Davis and Pete Werner, but who's the guy behind that? Because there's a difference between 
your depth and your third linebacker. Your third linebacker might hit the field situationally as a run defender or a pass rusher, probably Zach Bond working off the strong side. But who's your Caden Ellis this year that can come in and be impactful and play at a starter level if one of your top two guys into Mario Davis or Pete Werner deals with an injury? Right now, that's looking like an App State second-year player um, you know, who was drafted last year out of App State and DeMarco Jackson, who missed right. his rookie season but has looked really, really good during St. OTAs as well as many camps. They've been kind of working him out at the mic position, letting him call and make some of the defensive calls, adjustments, things like that. So he's picked up a lot of responsibility here over the course of the offseason, uh, and I think that's a good sign. But could the Saints eventually look to say, okay, love would love to get some veteran linebacker with a couple hundred you know, snaps in the NFL – um, you know, or, you know, a couple seasons worth of games in the NFL worth of experience to come in and, and kind of help out. And those options are out there. Guys like Corey Littleton, uh, Deion Jones is still out there, and he's got a connection yeah. with Joe Woods, the Saints' defensive coordinator, yeah. because they overlapped in Cleveland last year. So the options are out there, but it's going to be really interesting to see exactly where they go if they decide to continue to address that. And if they don't, then it's a big, big, big step into the into showing how much they really like what they've seen from DeMarco Jackson so far. And, and Hunter Renfro reminds me of the Super Bowl wide receiver Lance Moore, a small guy mm-hmm. but runs great routes, catches everything, I, and he's familiar with the quarterback. I, man, go get him if you can. That's what I say. Yeah, I I think so, and I, you know, I look at this team, and you know, if you tried to compare it, it's not, it's not a perfect comparison. But if you wanted to, you can compare the archetypes of receivers this year to previous years where you saw a very successful New Orleans Saints team. You look at guys that are field stretchers like Chris Olave and Rashid Shaheed, who could also do more. Whether that's the jet sweep reverse stuff that you can do with Chris, right. excuse me, with Rashid Shaheed, or the three level stuff you can do with Chris Olave. You can do three-level stuff with Rashid Jaheed as well. But, you know, you look at those two guys, it kind of reminds you of guys like Devery Henderson and Robert Meacham. You look at a guy like yep. Michael Thomas in terms of being the big-body guy that can make tough catches for you. Okay, there's Colston. your Marcus Colston. But do you have yep. your Lance Moore? Do you have your Willie Sneed? I don't think you do at this time. And that's where I think Hunter Renfro could plug in. Um, man, I like how you think. I do. I, the Saints <laughs> are going vacation. Or is, does Ross Jackson take a day off? I mean, come on. Never. Never. I'm a, I'm out of town. I'm out of town right now, and I'm still doing doing everything. I mean, I just got out of town, but you know, I'm out of town now after mini camps and stuff like that, and I, uh, I I'm still working. So no no vacations here. Uh, we'll have everything. Uh, you know, still every single day over at, uh, at over at Locked On Saints. There's still much left to talk about, and of course, a lot to get ready for with training camp on the way. How 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 do you feel after seeing this this group? the new acquisitions, the draft picks, and all that. Um, how do you feel about this team? Knowing that the uh, the NFC South, there, there's not that uh, – Tom Brady's not coming back into the office, and there's new quarterbacks everywhere. How do you feel about this club now? Yeah, yeah, I, I think – Look, the way that I look at it is that the the Saints have everything that they need to win this division in 2023. The biggest question mark is going to be what does it all look like on the field, of course. But even if you even if you remove that question, you're still going to be a little bit concerned about health. Health is going to be something that's going to be a big time. Yeah, but the entire you know off season, you know, yeah, but can they stay healthy? Yeah, but will they be able to be on the field? Yeah, but will they play more than you know ten games or whatever? That's going to be a big question mark the entire time, and that's going to be unavoidable. But outside of that. I believe that this team right now has the best quarterback in the division. I believe that this team right now has the best wide receivers in the division. I think this team has yep. the best defense in the division. I think they're in a situation where they're the best team in the division on paper. Now, can you translate that to on grass that's, or on turf? That's going to be the biggest 
kind of piece alongside health. But uh, I think right now it's hard not to be optimistic about what this team looks like, especially with big-time leaps expected for some of the guys that already performed extremely well last year, like uh, Chris Olave, like Tyron Matthew, like Alante Taylor. Uh, but, you know, are, are they going to be able to put it all together when it counts? That's going to be the big thing. But uh, it's hard not to be optimistic about this team right now. Ross, I, I greely appreciate your time. You mentioned all the positives. Do the Saints have the best coaching staff in the division? Time will tell, won't it? Yeah, yeah, that's going to be a big thing. And and look for the Saints, like the, what they have done is that they have maintained the most continuity on their coaching staff in terms of their big three, quote unquote, offensive yeah. coordinator, defensive coordinator, head coach, because effectively their defensive play caller is the same. So that means that their yeah. defensive coordinator change in terms of Joe Woods has an impact, but it's not a situation to where it's no longer Dennis Allen's. It's still Dennis Allen's team. They're still calling a defense, all that. He's still the head coach. He's still in a situation to where, of course, he's the, um, you know, into where Pete Carmichael is the offensive coordinator. So, you know, you can ask your questions about all uh, about that in terms of how you particularly feel about those those people being the play callers. But, you know, Dennis Allen calls a great defense. Second half of the season was a phenomenal defensive performance by Dennis Allen's defense. You want to see the offense come together. How much does the quarterback improve that versus how much of that is play calling? That's going to be a big question for the answer this season. But, you know, you look at the uh, Carolina Panthers, they've got a really good developmental coaching staff, but do they have a game-winning coaching staff? I like Frank Reich a lot. I think he, they, yeah. they did some – I think the way that Indianapolis handled his outing was terrible. I think they did some terrible things when it came to, uh, to Frank yeah. Reich and made some, some dumb decisions as well, going with Jeff Saturday and all these <laughs> other things. No offense to Jeff Saturday, but come on, the guy had, had no NFL yeah. experience as a coach. No. And then, you know, you look over at – at Tampa, no big changes there, but they moved on from Byron Leftwich, and I don't know that Byron Leftwich was the issue for them uh, over there on the offensive side. It still felt like a little bit more like Todd Bowles. Take a day off, Ross. Take a day off. Yeah. I give you permission. I'll do my best. Thank you for your time. We're <laughs> up against the clock. We got to get out of here. You got it. Have a great one. You man. got it. Thank you. Appreciate you, All buddy. Right, we'll take, take care. Take Final timeout. We'll wrap things up next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, happy birthday times. If uh, June 15th is your day, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with a pretty darn good wide receiver. Uh, Cooper Cup is 30 years old today. Pretty darn good baseball player. Wade Boggs is 65 years old today. And he's been a baseball lifer now, the manager of the Houston Astros. Dusty Baker is 74 years young today. So happy birthday to all of them. Thanks to Christian Clark, Talking Pels, Matthew Bruni, all things LSU, Ross Jackson, all things New Orleans Saints. Tomorrow, a fun-filled Friday, live reports from Omaha and much, much more. James Mesh, thank you for all you do. Thanks to all of you for listening or whatever form or fashion that you do. Thank you, partners. We couldn't do it without you. Tune in tomorrow, same time, 2 to 4. Same great stations, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy. Be kind to one another. And by all means, be happy. Up next, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Have a great one, everybody.